Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hello, and welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. I am very excited for our guest today. As you know, we talk about culture and leadership and culture fit all the time on this podcast. And our expert guests today are going to talk about just that. We have Heather Alberti and Jay Rosencrantz from Papa's Delaney. They are a retained search firm, and they focus on just that, finding the right people for the culture for that organization. And so we're going to learn what their tips and tricks are to make that happen. And so to kick us off, um, Heather, do you want to help us understand a little bit about you and your story and kind of how you got to where you're at today? Sure. So out of school, I went to work for work as a recruiter for a well-known retained search firm in the Milwaukee area. Um, It was probably around 1997. And when I was there, I met Tim Pappas and Patricia Delaney there. Uh, During those years, they came up with a process for hiring to culture. They went to the owner soon after and and told him they were going to roll this out with, with all of the firm clients. And he says, that is a fantastic process. I absolutely love it. We're going to be able to charge a lot more for our searches now. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're, we're not going to charge more. We're going to double our one-year guarantee on candidates hired through this process to two years. Mm. And he said, whoa, no, you, that's not happening. And they said, okay, well, we'll leave and start our own firm. So they did. Started Pappas Delaney. I begged them to go with because I believed in that process. I mean, I, I was young, but I learned enough in those first few years to know that employers need tools to be confident in hiring. And this was a really good one. So fast forward, we've updated it over the last 20 plus years, but the, the bones are still there and it, it continues to be a powerful tool for our clients and, and one they use for hiring at all levels in the organization. So over those past 20 plus years, I've grown with the firm, moving into leadership. Now we're one of the larger exclusively retained executive search firms in the Midwest. Uh, there's always something new and challenging happening here, which has made me want to stay. Mm. Uh, About five years ago, we added a thriving coaching and and talent management practice, which really re-energized the firm. I'm in leadership since that time. And it's so exciting to be able to contribute to the growth that we've experienced here. And even more so the the strategy for further growth that uh, we expect in the next five years. So it's been a wild ride and I've loved every minute of it. Well, and we'll dig into this too, as we get, as we talk about your process a little later on, but the two-year guarantee, that's something that's very unique for, for your industry, correct? It is. I'm not sure that we found any other firms that do that. Yeah. Yep. So that obviously says something that you you're doing something right there. If you're able to, to guarantee it two years. Um, So again, we'll dig into that a little bit. Thanks, Heather. And Jay, do you want to give us a little bit of your background and your story of how you got to where you're at today? Sure. I, I would start off with Heather and I took very different roads to be to get here and to become partners. So it, it's it's kind of funny it, the way it's all worked out. But 
uh, way back when I got out of grad school, I went to work in corporate America. I worked in oil and gas, manufacturing, automation, worked in talent management, org development, did a lot of work in M&A. But like a lot of people, I got, I don't know if it's burned out. I don't know if disenchanted, got tired of bureaucracy. I felt like I needed a, a change. And so I went into consulting and sales and uh, had a number of roles doing that and um, uh, enjoyed it, but it, it just kind of working my way through it. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, Tim Pappas, founder of a firm, and Heather. And uh, we're having conversations about how they went about things. I had no, I had no desire to join this firm at that point. It's funny because when they laid out what they were doing with cultural fit and the way they were going about things, this light went on in my head when I looked back at my disenchantment or, you know, kind of the uh of working in corporate America, I felt like they had, in a sense, the sauce, um, something different, and they were going about it in an exciting way. And so it really was a moment of clarity for me. And so um, joined the firm eight or nine years ago. And, and like, like Heather said, we've continued to expand. We've expanded incredibly throughout the Midwest, doing great things. And so it was a great choice, but really it wasn't one I set out to do. Um, but when I, when, I, when I met them, I realized this is the way to go. And they had something different for the marketplace. And that, that leads me to where I am today. Awesome. Well, and those are some of the best paths that we take are the ones that we never, never imagined that we would take or go down. And then you find yourself here, like you said, eight, nine years later in a spot you never thought you'd be in, but completely enjoying it and, and loving every minute of it. So yes, absolutely. It. Yeah. We, we talk about that all the time that our, our paths are more of a, of a jungle gym than it is a, a straight ladder or a straight path. Um, a lot of unforeseen um, jukes and jives that we need to take. So that's great. So what I, we always like to ask, this is a superpower success podcast. And so we want to know what is one superpower? We know that you have more than one, but what is one superpower that makes you successful? And Jay, we'll start with you for this one. Actually, Chelsea, if you don't mind, can, can I answer that for Jay? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, sure. Yeah. Twist of events here. Yes. Please do, Heather. Okay. Uh, I'd say that Jay is the big picture strategic thinker of this firm. He sees everything at a 30,000 foot level. He's always focused on the goal line. When we as, as firm leadership are, are thinking small, he challenges us to open our minds, expand our thinking. And I can't tell you how valuable that's been uh, over the last few years as we've been growing. That, and if you don't have that person in an organization, it makes it very difficult to grow because it is so easy just to get in the daily grind and just keep moving forward and just day after day, just doing, doing the same thing and not to step back and look at that big picture, 30,000 foot view. So to have that in an organization is absolutely critical. That's Especially when you find yourself in uncertain situations, uh, you know, he, along those lines, because he's such a big picture thinker, he's calm in storms. You know, he can see opportunity and chaos, which is really helpful when you're running a management consulting firm and, and something happens like, a, I don't know, a global pandemic where the world <laughs> shuts down. Uh, it's so valuable to have someone like that on your team who can keep everyone steady and see a path to overcoming those challenges. 
Absolutely. So you've, you've had to utilize this throughout the last couple of years more than you probably have had to in the, in the beginning parts of your career. Would you say that Jay? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, um, you know, it's funny, uh, probably about two years ago, right now, we were, I, I was on a panel and uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things, careful what you say, it comes back to haunt you. But I think at that point I, I said to a, a large group of people, I think I've seen about everything. You know, I've seen, I've seen bankruptcies. I've seen massive growth. I've seen, you know, all, all these things. Um, so I've really about seen it, seen it all. And probably about two weeks later, this thing called a pandemic hit. And so uh, be careful what you say. And there's always something new on the horizon. No matter how long you've been doing something, there's a new crisis coming and you better be able to navigate it. And, and so I, I think we've done that as a team here, as a firm, pretty well. And um, I, I don't know what to really attribute that to, but I, I think it's worked out pretty well. Well, and that's exactly what a superpower is, is we don't know what to attribute it to because it's just a part of who we are, right? It's at a core of who we are and we can keep utilizing it more and more to strengthen it, but it's just a part of who we are and it's natural to us. And so I think that's the fact that you said that it's, it's a superpower of yours. So Jay, are you answering for Heather or is Heather answering? Well, for you know, I guess, I guess now <laughs> I have to say something nice about Heather. Um, but, you know, I think what's funny is when she's just said that it, it it kind of dawns on me that we partner so well together because we're different, but we come to a common place. And so Heather's great at taking strategic vision into a tactical level and gets people to do things and makes this organization run really well. I swear to you, there are times when things come out of my mouth that I'm not sure what I'm saying, but she can take them and turn them into action steps. And yeah. so that's, that's a power that I don't have. I, I can't spell the word detail if you gave me three letters. And so <laughs> I appreciate that. And so I think along with that, when someone's got those kind of really great tactical skills, you combine it and she's insanely driven, hard worker, comes from, you know, her dad's a successful entrepreneur or someone. So that kind of mindset is really great. I mean, I came out of corporate America where I had so many resources. It, it was unbelievable. And early on when I'm here, Heather would look at me and say, you are the resource, do it. And so I, I, I've always respected that she finds a way to get it done. And, and so it, the partnership has worked that way. Well, and what I love about what you're saying is that we each individually have superpowers, but teams, partnerships, we have our combined superpowers as well. And when you put our the superpower, the individual superpowers together and understand how to utilize your individual superpowers and put them together as a team, that's when magic can really happen. And so it sounds like you guys have done that. You found a great partnership. You understand how each other's worked. You've worked together now for, for many, many years. And so you've really got that dialed in and, and figured out how you can be successful by utilizing your own superpowers. And that's exactly what we want teams to do, because that's what's going to, you know, get you out there and, and really moving forward as quickly and as successfully and efficiently as you possibly can. Um, one thing I want to ask is, you know, we and Jay, you kind of mentioned this is that we need to have what I call a beginner's mindset. And know that there's things out there that we don't know and things that we can get better at, we can improve on and need to prepare for. 
Are there superpowers that you are, either of you are trying to develop something that you don't have today, but wish you had, or know that you need to get stronger in? Yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can start with that. Um, but it is funny when I joined corporate America early, I had a blessing of having a great mentor who would challenge me all the time and say, Jay, stop. You don't know the answer to that question. Don't try and answer it. And so I think I have a mindset of you look at this and say, I don't know, but we'll find out. Mm -hmm. And so as we, you know, fall into this part, the superpower we're trying to develop, something that's really important to us is, is um, uh, technology and, and how we, how we further technology as we grow as a firm. Um, and so we're always open to that. We're very high touch. We're hands-on, but we realize as we grow, we need to leverage technology a lot better and we need to be better with data. I mean, the world is full of data. We're going to data and we as a firm need to do a much better job in that area. Yeah. And that's, and that's interesting that you bring that up because as the big picture strategic thinker, the data, the details, the technology side, that's often hard for, for that type of a personality to, to really dig in and understand that. And so again, that's where it's, partnering up with the right people who, who that is their superpower and they love data so that you can get what you need out of it without having to do all of the, the details and, and work behind it. Good. And Heather, what would you say? Well, we've talked a lot about uh, how Jay and, and my strengths complement each other. Here's an example of where I'm trying to develop one of his superpowers. You know, I've, I've gotten heavily involved with business development, um, unexpectedly i absolutely love it i wish i'd started earlier but but there's a lot, a lot more for me to learn and anyone that knows jay knows he has this amazing ability to connect with people which translates into a just a massive network and ability to open doors and i'm really trying to emulate that that's great and i think and, and what i want people to to hear when they're hearing you guys talk about this is that continuous growth mindset beginner's mindset the only way that we're going to further our companies, further our teams is if we stretch ourselves and try to do things that we're not used to doing um, and, and learn something new. So that's that's awesome. So I know every organization on this planet is facing challenges, um, whether you're in the middle of a global pandemic or not. There's always challenging things that we're, we're working through. The industry that you guys are in, being in recruiting, obviously, this is a very hot uh, trendy topic right now is everyone is looking for top talent, hard time finding top talent. So what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now as an organization and, and how are you tackling it? Well, I, I would say as a firm, as a big picture, as a firm is that scalability. As we can, you're right, the marketplace is right for what we do. We've put together a really good message and, um, you know, you got this pipeline going, but scalability, you know, we're ahead of, we're ahead of schedule in sales. Uh, and so we're trying to be better as a firm at, you know, the, as you said, the growth mindset, you know, once you start getting more and more clients, how do you scale it? And um, so that scalability has been the biggest thing for us mm -hmm. that we see. Yeah. And this is something that we always talk about with our clients too, is that kind of 10 X mentality. 
a lot of times we just get into that daily grind and it's, we want to just do more of what we're already doing, but that's only going to get us so far. And if we think bigger, that big picture thinking and think 10 X, how do we 10 X our business versus just doubling our business or just adding, you know, another 10% on next year. If we can think 10 X, then our minds start thinking differently and we start operating differently. We start acting differently. We start hiring differently. We start doing all of these things different to aim for this 10 X goal versus just doubling. So I think that's where a lot of organizations are, are kind of struggling right now is how do we think bigger and not just more of what we're already, already doing. Yeah. I think it's funny that you say that. Cause one of the things that we talk about here is um, our mentality is building a bigger pie and not fighting over an existing pie. Cause yeah. that, that's just a race to the bottom. And so you know, a, a couple of, you know, right about when the pandemic started, we really started reaching out to figure out strategic relationships. Um, you know, if sometimes there's a little bit of overlap and people get uh, you know scared of that. We're not at all. We'll, we'll overlap. We'll have strategic relationships and partnerships with people that can help us grow and people that we can help grow. And so that's really been beneficial to us when we flip that mindset of competition, you know, competitions all around every corner, that was wrong. Actually, partnerships are around every corner and possibilities are around every corner. And, and just the, the way we, we flip that on and see, we do things a lot differently because of that mindset. Yeah. It's a blue ocean versus red ocean, right? Like, yep. let's do something different and let's not worry about our competitors. Let's be unique and set ourselves apart. And I think that's a great mentality. Heather, what I would think, you say? Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Jay. No, go ahead. I think you might lead into what I'm. Heather, Heather's going to lead into something there. I think, and kind of how we look at our <laughs> recruiting practice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the key for us, as far as scalability for growth, is strategic hires. We aren't hiring individuals to do just the job mm. that they're going to be doing today. Our goal is to to hire people who can scale for growth with us. Yep which is harder to do. But when you find those people, we've done a very good job of, um, you know, reeling them in and getting them on the team. Yeah. I mean, even with just changing the way we think about how we do our hiring, I'll give you an example in our, in our search practice for, for our recruiter roles, we don't actually hire people with recruiting experience. We hire salespeople uh, because of the way that we go to market our, you know, we don't, our firm doesn't post and pray. We, we, Target specific executives who have the experience our clients need, call them in their office, and sell them on their clients' opportunities. Uh, that is best done by someone who has sales experience, and we've been really successful with that approach. Yeah, and what I, I love what you're saying, but it is so hard for people to think about what's next, right? And they need to understand when you're hiring for growth, what does growth look like? And if we're not thinking about that, if we're not thinking about the strategy and where we're going, it's impossible to hire for growth because you have no idea what you're hiring for. Um, so I, I, I think it's a really great concept. It's just getting people to, to really have that strategy. And I think as we get into larger organizations, it becomes even more complex just because of all the layers that exist. Um, so I think this is, will lead into my next question here, which is really around placing candidates 
And I know you, you have found a lot of success with focusing on that true culture fit and bringing people into organizations that really fit into that culture. Um, so I would just love to understand a little bit more about that process and how it works and, and what makes it successful. Yeah, Chelsea, if I could start, I'll, I'll paint the big picture on that and, and why we do it and why it's important. Heather's obviously the, the master at um, you know, the, the ins and outs of it, but I, I tell clients all the time, I'll tell anyone that wants to listen to this, is that in today's market, and maybe it's always been that way, but I'll tell you what, to an extreme in today's marketplace, small and mid-sized companies especially, the only competitive advantage they have in the marketplace for talent is their unique culture because everybody can outpay you, I'll benefit you, I'll promise you. That, that's, just, that's, just, that's just the way it is. The thing that you have is your unique culture and you need to find people that fit because when search firms or other people call, you want them to, you want your employees to be able to say, you know what, I would like 15% more or I'd like a better benefit package but I really like being here and I feel like I'm part of something, why would I want to leave? And so that's what we built the business on. And it just gets, you know, pan the pandemic has really showed us what, what that's about. And it's become even more important that we saw through the pandemic, when you look at firms that had a well-defined um, and strong culture, they managed the pandemic much better than firms that were kind of chaotic in their culture, didn't really understand it, and didn't hire and develop to it. They struggled more. And so the foundation of our business is just that. And that's the process. And that's why we go about the process that we do. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll let Heather explain that because it's pretty, it's pretty outstanding. Yeah. And real quick, Heather, before you, you explain it, what I love about what you're saying Jay, is that this is exactly what we have seen too. And we have heard so many leaders say, well, the pandemic, you know, it just, it ruined our culture. And we, in our very upfront and forward way, say, no, no, it wasn't the pandemic that ruined your culture. Your culture was ruined before the pandemic. But when you're having success and your sales are high, your revenue and profit is high, you don't see the cracks that are happening in the surface. But when a pandemic happens or anything, you lose a major customer, you, um, you know, your, your revenue is low, your sales are low, you lose a top hire or, you know, something happens, you start to see the cracks that are in the surface and they just seem to widen and widen and widen when you're focusing on them more and they're exposed more. So it's not that these people had great cultures before the pandemic, it's that the, the pandemic exposed their poor cultures and it just became blatantly obvious when we, over the last two years as we've had to go through what we've all had to go through. We, we couldn't agree more because around our firm, the, the phrase that we've been using, it was an incredible time of exposure. Mm. Systems, processes, people, cultures, everything was exposed. And now the people, you know, people say we're the new normal and things like that. Um, I would say be very careful on just, okay, we're going to move on here. When things get exposed, they better get fixed. 
And people now need to look at that and fix what they've seen. Because if we just move on and say, this is the new normal, we, we've got a very bad foundation. So it has been a time of exposure. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that you, saw, you, you folks saw the same thing. Yeah, same thing. So Heather, help us understand. I know listeners are saying, okay, great. But how do you do this, right? How do you hire for a culture fair? What's, what's the process to do that? Sure. The, the process involves working with a small cross, a small group, a cross section of thriving employees in an organization. So, you know, these would be individuals at different levels within the organization and different disciplines to identify the behaviors and traits that they exhibit on a daily basis that allow them to be successful in the organization. These are situations that have, you know, behaviors that they exhibit in situations that happen every day. And we translate those behaviors and, and traits into an interviewing process, which allows companies to be able to hire to their own culture. That's great. And I love that you say thriving employees. And so is it difficult for organizations to pick these people, these thriving people? No, I mean, when, when we'll talk to the CEO and, and say, hey, you know, we need you to come up with a a list of individuals, a cross section in your organization, they usually can come up with that list in about four minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy. And so then you actually interview these these thriving employees? Or ask yes. them questions? Okay. Right, we, we present them with a series of questions and um, choose questions based on situations that happen in the organization. Okay. Every day. And then we facilitate a discussion with them about how, how does a thriving employee in this organization respond in this specific situation? Hmm. And so when you're talking, when you're asking them these questions, is this as a group? We do this individually with each individual employee. We do it as a group. As a group. Okay. Kind of focus group style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you leave there with an understanding of what the culture is and, and what you know, like you said, really digging into different situations and how people are successful in that organization. And then you translate that into interview questions to ask. Interview questions and most importantly, answers. Mm. Okay. That match up with, with that organization. Right. So you kind of go into the interviews and we start interviewing candidates with an expectation of here's the type of answers we're looking to hear. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And so how long have you been doing this process for? Since about 1999. Okay. So you, you, you have some runway here. You have a few years of experience <laughs> utilizing it. <laughs> we do. We do. So it works. Have you made tweaks and edits to it over the last 20 some odd years or is it pretty consistent? No, we've, I mean, we've made tweaks to it, but the bones are still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what have been some of the kind of, I don't know if it's, you know, kind of aha moments, I guess would be, and maybe this is earlier on as you started doing this process, but any aha moments or anything where you're like, wow, this just really makes sense where the things kind of clicked and all came together and, and helped you understand that this process is it. Jay, do you want to tap in on that one? Yeah, I think there's two things. Um, we have found in this process that when people use this and use it effectively, 
they hire people now that they never would have before in a traditional interviewing process. And when I go back to what really made me want to partner with, with Tim and Heather back, you know, a number of years ago, it was that type of thing, because what I think most companies get burned in, they burn themselves with falling in love with resumes, falling in love with colleges, falling in love with, oh my gosh, you had the same customer base and things like that. That doesn't keep employees there. This process of, I'm going to, you know, that person needs to culturally fit. That, that's the key because um, when, when you have a person that's really fitting and thriving, you can, you can see it right away. As Heather said, you ask, a, you ask a CEO, give me 12 thriving employees. You can't believe how quickly it comes out of their mouth. And, and then, then the next statement is, I wish I had 30 more, 100 more of them. <laughs> but, um, but when you can hire people that you wouldn't have necessarily before, I think it's really powerful. And people don't, don't make the mistake of, I'm going to fall in love with your pedigree because it, I don't care how much, you, you know, all the skills and, and experience you have. If you don't feel like you fit, you don't invest in the company. The company doesn't really invest in you because you kind of look at that. I, I used to, you know, cover I look at these executives thinking they don't fit. You know, how long are they going to be here? And, and so that's kind of played out. And this process, that's what really works. And, and, and I think an important thing, and, and, and unless I miss it, but I think really important that people need to know is we make sure this part of the interviewing is installed before you go into that skills part of, have you done, do you have, you know, eight or 10 years of engineering experience or, you know, whatever that may be. We don't want you to get there. If the person can't thrive culture, culturally within your organization, you need to move on and say, thank you so much for your time interviewing, but we don't think it's a fit. And we don't think you have the chance to thrive in this organization. And so we don't let them fall in love with skills and personalities and things that in the day-to-day, in the day-to-day situations really don't matter. It falls, you know, falls back to um, if I can have someone like 90, 95% of cultural fit and have 50 to 60% of the skills, I'm going to jump over, you know, I'm going to jump over and jump through hoops to get that individual. But if you've got a hundred percent of the skills and things like that, and you only fit, you know, 60% culturally, you got to move on. Okay, so my mind, this was my aha moment right here, because so my background is 15 years of HR experience, and I was doing just the opposite. I would interview first for, you know, do you have the background, the resume, the skills? We do like all that. And then our very last interview was a culture fit interview. We had it, but it was at the tail end instead of at the at the front end. And I think it's kind of one of those like slap your help yourself on the forehead. Like, obviously that should be the first thing when we say that we're hiring for culture fit, that should be the first thing that you're looking for. So I think that, I mean, yes, that is absolutely perfect that you put that culture fit first before, cause you're right. People get, they, they, they fall in love with the experience they have in their mind, like exactly what this person has to be able to do and their background and their, their schooling or whatever it is. And if you truly are saying culture first, people first, you need to interview for that first. So that was, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, you know, Chelsea, that's kind of the aha, aha moment here for me too, is that 
I remember when I was in HR, I don't know how many, it really basically was debates or arguments of we really need this individual. He or she brings this, this, and this to it. And we knew they didn't fit. And then, you know what? It, it was, we couldn't win the argument with them because they had the skills and all these other things. We'd end up hiring them and they didn't fit. So they wouldn't stay. And so flipping this was really the, the sauce that I looked at and thought that they had something figured out. And, and uh, now we, we've, we've built on that. I think it, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, it absolutely, absolutely does. Well, good. Well, anything else to add in about the, the cultural fit process or any, any lessons learned there? I, you know, the thing I would, I would say is that um, it really, again, is so obvious. When you look at, you need a cross section of your employees from, you know, from really the top to the, to the lower end of it. And not mean to be derogatory, but all levels of the organization. I think a lot of times organizations make, make a huge mistake that they, that the top of the organization is saying, this is our culture. We say it all the time. Uh, this is our culture. And, you know, th this is the way it is, this is the way we want it. And that culture is only played out for the top, maybe two layers of the organization. Your culture is actually played out well below that every single day. And if you don't get in and figure out what that culture looks like the, below the second level or what you think or you say or you want it to be, you're really missing. You're missing a boat. You have, a lot of times organizations have no clue what their culture is. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And that's exactly why, you know, we developed our own culture model at Keystone mm -hmm. because this is exactly what we would hear from our clients is that, you know, our strategy, we've got it figured out, we're going forward, but now we're raising up all these issues that are happening. And guess what? They're all people issues that are happening. And they all say, well, we know we need to improve our culture. We need to focus on culture, but we don't know what culture is and we don't know where to start. And it just seems so nebulous. And so that's exactly why we developed this is so that we can say, okay, here's 20 elements of culture. Here's the three where you're struggling. Let's start here and give you a path forward so that you can start improving your culture and growing it into what your, what your employees want it to be. So I think, yeah, you're exactly right. They don't, they don't know what it is and they don't know how to impact it. Well, good. So we've talked about a lot of things here. What would you each say with, you know, if you could leave the audience with, with one thing, with one message, what would you say is the most important thing to leave our listeners with today? You know, I would start with um, don't ever, ever, ever hire anyone that doesn't have the, the ability to thrive within your organization. It's more important now than ever that, you know what, you, you will always be disappointed with, with a person that can't thrive or fit your culture. Um, so don't, don't go down that street. Don't talk yourself into it. Only hire people that can thrive within your organization. When people aren't thriving, um, it, it, it's hard on the business. Uh, it is hard to manage them. They're not happy. Others see it. Just stay away from it. Never, ever hire, uh, hire anyone that can't thrive. So, I think, uh, oh, sorry, Chelsea. Well, it's a follow-up question on that because what I hear so many companies saying right now is we just need to get a warm body in the seat because we need people. So, and it's so hard to find the right people. So what, what do you say to that? You, you know what I, I would say to that? We're, we're somewhat fortunate because we really work in the executive level. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I certainly, and, I, and I've lived in it in former lives, trying to find skilled people. I, I get that. That that may be another question for, for, for folks, but certainly on the leadership level, you can find people. We find them every single day. And so um, I, it, it's expensive. If it takes you a little while longer to find that right person, invest in that. And so I, 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 would, I, I would not... Well, uh, waiver from that? I think, you know, many of our clients at, at in lower level positions, they're hiring people who don't have the experience, who don't have the toolbox needed for the role. So they're going to have to invest in them to train them. And if you're going to have to invest mm-hmm. in an employee, it's important you make sure that they can thrive in your culture once they're trained. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all know what an employee who isn't thriving looks like in an organization. You know, it, We've all hired people at some point with without an ability to, to to thrive in a culture, and that usually looks like, you know, these these individuals don't have a desire to learn. They have no motivation to do anything past you know eight to five. They they can't communicate with their peers. They don't know how to interact with the people around them. And yeah, so often when we hear about organizations that let people go, they don't say they didn't have the skills. They said more, they say things more like, uh, it was debilitating having them in this organization. They were more trouble than they were worth. There was, you know, it took more time to manage them than anyone else. And, and I don't want anyone to come away from this discussion and think, oh, Pappas Delaney doesn't, doesn't care about skills. You know, skills aren't important. That's absolutely not true. But skills can be taught. Yep. Uh, but the ability to thrive can't be forced, taught, trained. You, you arrive with it or you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think my, my biggest takeaway is that two things. One, you said that, you know, every company has a unique culture and that's really what sets that company apart. And so if you're not hiring for your unique culture first, which is my second takeaway, right? Interview for culture fit first. If you're not doing that, you're doing a disservice to your organization. And you're not going to be able to thrive. And and the other thing I heard one of you say, I think it was Jay, is that you want that person to feel like they're invested and they're thriving in the organization too. It's not just about the company finding the right fit. It's about helping that individual find the right fit as well and use your unique culture and hire directly for that and take the time, like you were just saying, Heather, take the time to do it. Because even if you have to invest in them to help level up their skills to get their skills where they need to be, as long as the culture fits right, they're going to be in it for the long haul. They're going to end up thriving and they're going to want to be there. And that's going to make your organization stronger. So a lot of, a lot of really great, great tidbits there. So let's wrap up and go into our bonus round of questions here. So we just have a few um, quick kind of rapid fire questions. Um, and Jay, we're going to start with you. So if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be and why? It's, I'm, I'm guessing you've never gotten this answer before. Uh, actually, Jesse Owens. Um, and if people don't know, Jesse Owens was an African-American sprinter who um, won four gold medals in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, which, is, which makes it interesting because I'm a history buff and a sports buff. <laughs> and Jesse combined all of those. And what um, I've probably done more book reports as a kid from third grade through high school on him than anyone in the country. But um, he went to uh, Hitler's 1936 Olympics 
And uh, in front of uh, Adolf Hitler won those gold medals while Hitler was braided around with the superiority of the Aryan race. And Mr. Owens did it with more dignity, class and style and success than anyone. So I've just always been fascinated what he did. And uh, he's my favorite athlete of all time. And uh, I would have loved to be able to meet him. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I've never heard that. And you make me want to go research Jesse Owens. I mean, I've heard of him, but I don't, I don't know all the specifics. So that's yeah. Great, great answer. Um, okay. So Heather, uh, next question. What makes you laugh? Uh, I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old at home. And anyone who's got kids that age know that knows that, you know, what the stuff that comes out of their mouths is just absolutely outrageous and, and ridiculous and illogical. And few, maybe about a year ago, I decided to just start laughing uh, when, you know, I'm interacting with them because, you know, half the time, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry, but they're just, I'm really trying to embrace where they're at right now and have fun with just how goofy and fun this age is. Oh, I love it. That's great. Jay, how about you? Um, I, I, a number of years ago, I took the Jerry Seinfeld um, school of uh, laughter in, 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 into my, my heart. And, and that is, I try and laugh at every situation. Um, if you look around at the world, there are goofy things that happen all the time. People's interactions. Sometimes if people don't get hurt, I, I laugh like heck when people fall, including myself, as long as they don't get hurt. Um, but I think if you look at situations and try and laugh and find humor in, in all of them, it's, it's right there. And so it's, it's a much more joyful way to go through life, looking to laugh and looking at the situation. So I think it's about everything at this point. I uh, love it. That's great. Okay. Now what about an insult that you've received that you're actually proud of Jay? Oh, there's a million of them, but um, <laughs> uh, I'll just, no, I'll start with one. And that is maybe I think people early on with me figure this guy doesn't necessarily jump to make a decision. Um, and then you can make pro procrastination. Now, don't get me wrong. I, if you're driving on the road, somebody cuts you off, you have to make a decision. I can do that. But a lot of times, I think if you can take a breath, you can think about it, you'll have a better answer a little while later. Um, and, and so I do that. I take that breath. I think about it. It's your adage, right? I mean, if you're mad at something and you craft an email tonight, maybe you should wait till tomorrow and look, reread re it and see how it looks. I think a lot of times if you do that, you, um, uh, you get a better, you get a better answer. You may not um, incite, uh, you know, conflict with people. It's like, take a breath, think about this. You may have a better answer in a few minutes or in a few hours. Yeah. That's great advice for all of us. Heather, what would you say an insult you've received that you're, you're proud of? Uh, here's one I've gotten quite a lot. Uh, in my career, which is, uh, Heather, uh, don't go to work in corporate America. You'd get fired within five hours. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I just, I'm afraid I embrace the concept of asking for forgiveness versus permission many years before it was in vogue. And um, I just think it has a lot to do with giving a lot of thought to why we do things, how that impacts efficiency in an organization, now that's just part of our culture at Papas Delaney. 
once an employee really understands their role and high level of service expected for our clients, we want them pulling triggers on their own. Hmm. And if the best way to serve a client in a specific situation is to go a little rogue, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You and I get along well. That's why. <laughs> That's why I didn't fit in HR. That, that was my insult. Is, is, you're not the, the traditional HR professional. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. I have a higher risk tolerance than most HR leaders do. Uh, good. Okay. So last question here. What is your best tip for making the world a better place? Heather, we'll start with you. Shut up and listen. Mm. You know, in, in our in our roles, we, we collect a lot of knowledge, experience. It's it's really, and I struggle with this. It's really easy for me to assume that I understand where someone's coming from or why they do the things that they do. I found over the years, it's better when you don't make assumptions because, you know, you're likely going to be wrong. Yes. And so, it, you know, it's just better to shut up and listen. When you do talk, it should just be to ask questions. Yes. And yeah, that's good. It's, that's not easy, but. No, it's really not. And we see that in all the time, right? We see it on social media, we see it on the news, we see it in most conversations that we have. Most people are not good listeners. So that's a great tip. Jay, what would you say? You know, it's similar to that, but I, and it's similar to what I just answered. And, and um, you know, I think take a breath. When, when things happen in, in life, don't react right away. Take a breath and think about it. And again, it doesn't, it can just be take a breath and then respond. Don't respond immediately. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I first interviewed uh, coming out of grad school, I, this, this plant manager asked me a question. I think he asked me my name and I gave him my name and he said, I should end this interview right now. You didn't even think about your answer, <laughs> which was yeah. extreme. But, but the lesson is, you know what? He's right. Think, think about how you're going to react and how you, how you um how you present yourself and i think the world would be a little better place if we didn't quickly react and either escalate or have to talk our way out of it and so take a breath yeah that's good both very very good tips for making this world a better place all right well thank you both heather and jay for being a part of our podcast today if people want to get in touch with you find out more about what you do, ask any follow-up questions. What's the best way for people to, to get in contact with you? Pappasthelady.com or reach out to Heather and or myself on, on LinkedIn, but okay. website's the best way to get in contact with us. Okay, perfect. We'll make sure that that uh, website is in the show notes too. So people can click on that and find you. Thank you so much for, for giving us a little bit of the insight into how you go about hiring for culture and the importance of it and why we should do it and, and shifting up our thinking. And the whole point of this podcast is to help people shift their perspective just a little bit, think of things a little differently and get just one or two nuggets of information that they can take away and put into action. And I, I think that they will find that in today's episode. So thank you very much, uh, Heather and Jay, and thank you all for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.